0: Shorty, what's up with y'all? Oh, hi. Coming to say you look, you fine. We got to cutting it off. Nobody kidding, fuck on my line. I'ma keep it above with y'all. But well, Shorty, I'm trying to make you mine Don't make it too easy, I wanna try. She looking too good, can't let it go by, oh yeah. Think i won the lotto. This little mulatto. She could be a model. She wanna show me some. Think i won the lotto.
1: Is episode oh of the Love Cast. I have Mikey on from the Uppercut podcast, and he's gonna be talking about his Miami Heat win against my Boston Celtics. All right. Dude, couldn't be Mikey. fucking happier. Yeah. I actually couldn't... just
2: bought a ticket. I'm going solo dolo to game three, home game one.
1: Wow, in Miami?
2: Yeah, yeah. Just going by oh, myself. Wow. Is there any shit. listeners from Miami? I'll be there. Yeah. they by myself, wandering around.
1: Jesus. Like, so you're flying down from from um. yeah yeah philadelphia philadelphia wow holy shit yeah it should be a good one yeah that's gonna be awesome are you excited
2: yeah i'm just gonna be i guess one of them like old looking middle-aged drunk fan just sitting there by myself i bought a ticket up top wasn't too it was like 500 bucks and i was like fuck it who knows they're ever gonna make it back
1: yeah wow so let's start with that um did you foresee at the start of the season did you think that they had a finals run in them
2: Dude, absolutely fucking not. One of the biggest points of the season where I really felt depression was uh, not. Everyone keeps alluding to this uh, fucking playing game that they lost, which was a big deal to me. Yeah, what really. Yes, horrible game. What really fucked me up was when Vic went down, when mm. Aladipo went down, and then Robinson seemed to be unplayable. I thought the season was just about over. Like I thought, if we made the playoffs, we could make a run. I did not foresee this coming by any means. And really, I don't think anyone did.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I thought, like, you guys were going to be scrappy, but I'm the same way. I mean, after that Bulls loss, I really didn't see much coming in terms of a run for the Heat. Um, ultimately, you face an injured Giannis and Bucks team that you're able to win against in impressive form. Then you take on a Knicks team that maybe was shooting a little bit higher than they should have been, if that, if that makes sense. I I think they were outplaying um where they were expected to be and then you take on the celtics team that has (laughs) just a ton of issues um and you know questions about the future with us and now you're gonna be taking on a denver team do you think that the heat can get it done against denver
2: um, honestly, I think people are going to be surprised. I think it's going to go six or seven. I don't think it's – I see a lot of predictions for sweeps. The one thing I think we can do differently, we can throw at Denver that everyone else keeps alluding to is going to be our weakness. Everyone thinks our weakness is our size, but we also fly around on defense. I think our zone's going to play pretty good. I think the fact that the three defenses that Jokic's played through the playoffs up to this point, have had basically man-to-man coverage honed in on either Anthony Davis or Car Anthony Towns or Gobert, whoever in the first round. I think was kind of a weakness to all the other teams. So I think maybe we could throw a little curveballs at them.
1: All righty. Well, there. I'm, you go. I'm
2: definitely not doubtful at this point. I mean, they're there. The Heat are here for a reason. Is the yes. way I look at it.
1: That's a very good reason. Um, I think the main reason is Coach Spo. So, where does this Eastern Conference Finals make coach spo rank amongst the current NBA coaches is he the best coach in the NBA right now
2: I I did I really was thinking about this one hard today because you have Kerr you have pop but I just think at this moment right now how can you not put spo number one? His ability to just take the most out of this – and this isn't just this year. Like, you've you've watched the last three years Celtics He play the Eastern Conference Finals. His ability to make the most out of all of these players – like, everyone's, like, really hopping on the game Vincent Hype Tree now, but you probably know as a Celtics fan, he was pretty fucking decent last year too. Wasn't yes, was. playing at this level, but pretty damn good. His ability to take – I mean, I'm so tired of hearing Reggie Miller say the undrafted's but his ability to take what he can out of these players and bring them deep into the playoffs year after year is just something I don't really think we see out of most other coaches. And not to mention, about 90% of the league, the coach isn't the same for more than three or four years.
1: Yes, you're right so about he's, that. So
2: he's one of the only tenured coaches still left, and it's it's hard for me to put anyone ahead of him right now. With the Warriors not looking up any, any time in the near future, I mean, they still have Steph and Clay, but... Let's be honest; they're probably on like a five-year window to be right back to shit. And Pop, <laughs> I mean, Pop gets Wembenyama. Does he immediately make them a playoff team? I doubt it. So, I mean, right now, I'm going to say Spo. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think it is Spo. Uh, he's younger than the other two, and like you said, I mean, it's it's the common thing that the Heat find all these diamond in the rough players and bring them back. I mean, Struess, Gabe Vincent. I wouldn't be surprised if Nikola Yovich somehow becomes a new Nikola Jokic. Um so there's that. <laughs> they always find they always just find these crazy players out of nowhere. Um and then Spo also just out has a master class and out coaches everybody that he goes up against. I mean, he did it against Thibodeau in um against the Knicks. I mean, he really just made Tibbs look like a dumbass for lack of a better word. Um And And Tibbs has
2: been around the block for a while. He's no dumbass.
1: No, he's no dumbass at all. He's a great basketball mind, but he really got exposed by Spolstra. And then obviously my dumbass head coach in Missoula got fully exposed by Spolstra as well. So he really does just expose uh, head coaches. I'm interested in seeing this um, duel against Michael Malone, who I think is a really good coach and I think is up there in the top coaches. But I have to agree with you. I think Spo is number one. Um, I do think Wembenyama might actually make the Spurs a play-in team. Um, you think next
2: year already? Yes,
1: they're well. They have a bunch of cap room. They have a bunch of cap room. I think they sign. Um, maybe they take on Austin Reeves or Jordan Poole or something like that. Um, I'm sure, puts them over the top. But dude, Wembenyama is the real deal, man. And if he's able I- to stay healthy.
2: I wanted to talk about Missoula real quick, too. And one of the big glaring differences in this series to me was Spoh does this – it makes him a nightmare to coach against. and I think this is what really has anchored us. He makes so many defensive adjustments. Like, he puts different players out there for only, like, two, three minutes at a time. Like, he puts Haywood Highsmith in, who realistically should be in a 3-2 zone, should be one of the two down low guys. Puts him right up top where Tatum's going to be. In game six, he gets a steal, gets a layup, shifts momentum our way, where you see Missoula, and Missoula could turn into that coach eventually. Who knows? He's still pretty young, but he kind of just sits there. I think your boy Bill Simmons was saying this. He kind of just sits there and shoots gum.
1: Yep, <laughs> like he, he d- really does, like Bazooka just, Joe.
2: There's no no adjustments. Like uh, I just think that's what separates Spell from a lot of other coaches.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I think Joe got a little bit better with the adjustments later, but I mean – We'll get into my shitty team later, but um I think I think he got he was he showed a little bit of promise, but there's obviously a lot that needs to change. Um, so first thing I want to ask you about the Eastern Conference Finals, uh has to do with the Eastern Conference Finals MVP. One of those Diamond in the Rough players that we talked about was Caleb Martin. Um, do you think that Caleb Martin got basically got his Eastern Conference Final MVP stolen from him by Jimmy Butler? Or do you think Jimmy deserved that? award see
2: knee jerk reaction I did I was like wow you too yeah yeah I was like wow Caleb Martin like he he was definitely a little more consistent than Butler throughout the series he's been the anchor of us throughout these seven games but then when you go back and crunch the stats and then you see that it was only a five because they do nine votes obviously to make it odd it was only a five to four vote difference for Butler it's like, ah, I don't know. Cause Jimmy hit the, he had way more significant moments. He hit the three free throws in game six. He had huge moments in games one through three. And he is the Heat, is the way I kind of yeah. looked at it. I think it was more, might have been more of an award for him for his conglomerate effort of the last three years.
1: I agree with that. Also, when you look at the stats uh, for the series itself, Martin averaged 19.3 points, 6.4 rebounds, and 1.7 assists. Butler averaged 24.7 points, 7.6 rebounds, and 6.1 assists. So, yeah, knee-jerk reaction, I thought, well, clearly this was Caleb Martin's award. I don't know why they took it away from him, but after looking at um, the stats, as you mentioned, and just the impact that Jimmy had on the game, it was clear that Jimmy kind of deserved this one. And you mentioned the three free throws. Who the hell hits those free, three free throws like that? I, I Everyone always misses one.
2: I think there's very, very few guys in the league who can be that calm, cool, and collected in that situation. But I do have to say real quick, too, I do wish Caleb Martin would have won it because I think, not that Jimmy doesn't appreciate it, but he would have been far more appreciative of it. I don't Mm. think Jimmy really gives a fuck that he won that. He just wants to win the championship. I think it would have been an awesome accolade for an undrafted guy like Caleb Martin to get.
1: Yeah, and I mean, he did, for all intents and purposes, did uh, really sway the series and was a main difference and key to winning the series for the Heat, I would say.
2: Yeah, I I think a lot of stuff started to change, too, because in games – One, two, and three, he was getting a lot of minutes. Four, five, six, I'm sure you saw. We decided to go more Kevin Love minutes, which I really wasn't understanding. And then in game six, we kind of went back to Martin. I think Martin's defense really anchored us a lot, too. He played good. He he was not afraid to switch on Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum the entire series. He played pretty decent against them, too, with the exception of Jason Tatum playing unconscious in game six. I don't think really. Anyone could stick him at that point. But other than that, he played fantastic defense, fantastic offense. He seems like a good teammate. I, I'm glad we got him.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think he's due for a good contract very soon. Um, so let's transition out. So I want to talk about guys whose stocks dropped and rose from the Eastern Conference Final. Um, we can start with dropped. And I wanted to put the entire Celtics roster, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, I'll just start with my first pick, which Jalen Brown. Pretty obvious reasons. I mean... Going into a year where he's going to be offered the Supermax contract, which we'll get into a little bit more later, he was taking horrific shots, um, a lot of early in the shot clock, deep threes that were bricks, um, a lot of putting his head down and going into the paint and just kind of not, I felt like he didn't know exactly what he was doing halfway through and then would just chuck up a shot or turn the ball over. And then a lot of unforced turnovers where he dribbled off his foot or, you know, just lost the ball, but the worst of it, in my opinion, was his defense or lack thereof. Jalen usually was an elite defender, and this series, especially in these playoffs, he was not an elite defender at all. If anything, he was a negative defender. Um, his stock really dropped, in my opinion. However, I do hope we re-sign him and build around him and Jason because I think he'll get better from this, and I think it'll come out that he was injured with his hand slash wrist slash shoulder. Um, that being said. I have to imagine that around the league and in the organization itself, Jalen's stock has dropped a little bit. Would you agree?
2: Yeah. One thing that was supremely disappointing to me about Jalen Brown, because I was a huge Jalen Brown stan when he came in, I was actually one of the few guys saying he was better than Tatum early on. Obviously not true anymore. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, one thing that was really disappointing to me is that I'm sure you saw last year in the finals. I mean, you watch a lot of basketball, especially Celtics basketball. It's like, to me... Ball handling is one of those things that you sharpen just like every other skill. You train, you and practice. anyone can
1: do it. That's, I, I went on this rant before a couple episodes ago. Um, there are people out there, and my old high school basketball coach used to say this. He's like, anyone can dribble because it's a thing that you can train. And unless you're like physically missing fingers or a hand or whatever, anyone can fucking dribble. And anyone can get elite at dribbling. And it's unacceptable to not be an elite dribbler, especially at that level because it's something that you can train so easily just by doing drills like an hour a day
2: exactly and and i don't i can't speak for him i don't know what the fuck he did this off season but it did not se- it is amazing to me that i mean we're going to talk about this a little bit later too that we're probably going to see the highest nba con- <laughs> highest paid nba player in history Ugh. who can't really dribble with his left hand that is just like supremely disappointing to me that he hasn't sharpened that tool. And he's been around for almost seven years now. So I, I just – yeah, his stock plummeted for me too.
1: Yeah, it, it's been going down. Who's your uh, – do you have another guy whose stock plummeted for you?
2: Um, I was really torn between Grant Williams and Marcus Smart. Was there either one that you thought did worse than the other, maybe lost a little more?
1: I, I thought Grant's stock – didn't go up, but like was so it's weird. Um, in turn, if you're looking at it playoffs by playoffs, right? So from last year to this year, Grant's stock went down playoff wise, but that was because his minutes went down and Joe just didn't trust him. I thought right. this playoff series he was all right. And if you're looking at it in terms of stock rising from the season to the off or sorry, from the regular season to the postseason or from the last, um, series to this series i thought his stock rose a little bit um i thought smart was bad as well so i would put him in stock down but i've honestly always had issues with smart he drives me nuts um so i'm not really the guy to ask the guy i had was malcolm brogdon and
2: malcolm, i but see i i kind of thought that too but is it, he's really hurt right like yeah, legitimately but he's always hurt.
1: that's the whole thing with malcolm brogdon is that okay he's been injured his entire career and he's always injured and that was the thing is he got injured again. So that kind of hurt my stock on him because we were getting a healthy Brogdon and obviously he just can't stay healthy and never has been able to. So that hurt my stock for him a little bit.
2: Yes, I agree with that. And one of the things that really stuck out to Marcus Smart for me is he's not the answer for a ball handler for the Celtics. No. And it was glaringly apparent that the Celtics need one really bad outside of Jason Tatum. He's, he's not that guy. He's one of, and this is one of the few times I know Marcus Smart has been a very... Trivial guy, I guess you'd call, it, through his career. But this has been one of the few times I've seen online a conglomerate of people ready to move on from them, specifically Celtics fans. I really think you included. I think yeah. Boston's kind of done with him. He's run his course. He's an awesome teammate to have, I'm sure. He shows a lot of effort, but the flopping, the piss-poor shot selection, inconsistency, he's, just, he's lost it for me. I think another team could really benefit having him, but not so much the Celtics.
1: No, I think so far um like you mentioned the flopping all that stuff um and when he was younger he used to make up for that stuff with legitimate game-winning plays like I was in the building uh I forget what year it was when he drew two straight offensive fouls or two straight fouls or whatever on James Harden to win the game against the the Rockets um that was awesome he would routinely like win us games single-handedly he doesn't do that anymore um And the ball just sort of finds him in the closing minutes, which is not who you want to have the ball in the closing minutes because he's really bad with it. Um, And, yeah, I just think that he thinks he's as good as Tatum and Brown when he's not, and he takes way too many shots. And, uh, yeah, he just drives me nuts. Um, I know he's a good teammate and good for the city, but I'd be all right getting rid of him if we bring in another piece that can be better.
2: Yeah, and I think his trade value can still hold some, too. Like, you guys could get someone decent for him. And it's kind of tough for him, too, when at this point he's probably fell into, like, I mean, let's be real, maybe the fifth highest-valued player on the Celtics. I mean, you got Tatum Brown, Derek White. I would even probably rather stick with Robert Williams at this point than Marcus Smart as a player for the Celtics in terms of value for the Celtics themselves. Yeah. It's kind of of tough for him to stick around.
1: And also, like, in his age with his injury history, he kind of – athletically doesn't hold up on defense anymore like he used to you know I don't think you're getting a defensive player of the year performance out of him anymore
2: completely agree and uh the the only other kind of dark horse stock dropper I had for the series was Victor Aladipo just because unfairly he didn't get to play and he's going to be a free agent this summer and I don't don't know
1: if how many two-way
2: wings do you need on a team you kind of need other style players too and with Caleb Martin and Max Struess and Duncan playing the way they did. I I anticipate he's not going to be signed.
1: Yeah. I I actually don't even know if he'll be in the league, unfortunately. And it is. It sucks because it's, it's purely off injuries. I mean, Depot was one of my favorite players watching him for Indiana and Orlando. And, you know, he just, it's just been injuries have been a bitch for him. So that really sucks. Hopefully, I don't know, hopefully make something of it, but he's getting up there in age and yeah, you know, not good for him. Um, for the, for the risers, we don't have to go into great depth on this one because it's pretty obvious. I have Caleb Martin, Derek White, Gabe Vincent, and Max Struess. Do you have all those guys or any more?
2: Um, Yeah, I just wanted to touch on Gabe Vincent real quick because all the light seemed to be on Caleb Martin. One thing I really liked about Gabe Vincent is if anyone followed the heat, which they're not the most exciting team to follow through a regular season, but towards the beginning of the playoffs, right before the play-in, I know – at least I, as a Heat fan, was really questioning who our point guard was going to be going forward. I'm like, are we going to really stick with Lowry? Like, what are we doing here? Are we going to have to draft a point guard? Steve Vincent really didn't play that good the second half of the season, and I feel very confident with him headed forward. I don't think he's ever going to be a, probably even a top 15 guard or make an all-star team or anything, but I feel very confident in his spot for the Miami Heat being yeah. a floor general.
1: I mean, his facilitation, the way that he can kind of just set Jimmy up and get him into his spots, get Struess and get Duncan Robinson into his spots as well, he would be perfect for the Celtics in terms of just, you know, smart doesn't do that facilitating. He tries to drive and score for himself. Um, Gabe Vincent is much more of a true point guard who is able to, like I said, facilitate and get people to where they need to be, um, get them the ball where they need it, and can do a little bit of scoring as well, not to mention His on-ball defense is really something that he works very hard at, um, and he's very impressive. Obviously, I think he's very hurt from that horrific ankle twist, and I expect him to be attacked tonight. But, um, yeah, I thought his stock really shot up, and he's a good player to have on your team for sure. I
2: I did have one Celtic too. I I definitely had Robert Williams. I mean, I think he's been – he was really good last year in the playoffs, but one of the things that really stuck out to me about Robert was he was probably – and you'll agree on this. Probably the only glimmer of any kind of offense outside of Tatum or a three, and he had really deflating plays in the games the Celtics won. He was catching huge hoops. He had big offensive rebounds and putbacks. A lot of block. I mean, he must have blocked Jimmy three or four times throughout the series. Okay. I-, I really like Robert Williams, and I think you guys should definitely go all in for him.
1: Yeah, the thing with Rob will is that he's never healthy and can't stay healthy, and, and he doesn't
2: play a lot of minutes either, which is no. a downfall.
1: He's. I heard on the. Bill Simmons podcast today with Joe House. Um, Joe House was like, Well, Rob Will is a role player and he's only meant to play like 20, 14 to 20 minutes per game for 60 games. And then you kind of keep him on ice for the playoffs. And I mean, he's right. Like Rob Will can't hold up. So um, we'll get into it later when we talk about um, what the Celtics need to do to fix up their situation. But yeah, I'm with you on keeping Rob Will, but I'm also wouldn't be terribly opposed to packaging him to get someone who's a little bit more uh, durable, but I, I really like him and I would hate to see him go, but I mean, we need someone who isn't injured all the time, you know?
2: Correct. Yeah. And he definitely need a starting five. I agree. He's not the yeah. starting five, but he can be a glimmer of hope on a team.
1: For sure. Um. Actually, this brings us to the next question uh, that we talked about. It was where the Celtics stick, where do the Celtics stand going forward? I.e., do. We run it back with the same roster. So, my answer to this is they can't run it back with the same roster. Um, that would be unacceptable in my opinion. I think Derek White and Jalen and Tatum are untouchable. Um, but after that, I expect there to be moves to be made. Um, the first one, as we've been talking about, is getting a facilitating point guard who can get guys set up uh, in their spots and you know just get guys open shots. So I don't really have any names at the top of my head because i don't really know what the market looks like right now in terms of who's available we'll, we'll have a better sense um around draft time and after draft time which is when i'll go full-blown trade machine and all that type of shit. <laughs> but for now um that's like the first thing is getting someone who can set up tatum and brown with shots not to mention getting everyone that needs surgery surgery um which is funny but like i'm pretty sure Brogden, rob will tatum and brown will all need surgery uh I think Tatum needs it on his wrist or thumb I think Brown needs it on the arm Horford probably needs surgery as well so get all those guys uh surgery and then the the second glaring thing is they need to they need to solidify their front court which is what I was talking about with Rob Will you can't run it back with Rob Will and Al Horford as your starting uh front court both of those guys just are too Rob Rob is not durable and Al is extremely old um I mean I'm not the biggest DeAndre Ayton fan, especially with his lack of motivation. But if you were to tell me uh, Rob Will and Marcus Smart for DeAndre Ayton, that's a move that I would be understanding of. And it at least gives you a very durable big man um, with high upside. But, you know, uh, moves like that are moves that I would be looking towards. Other than that, um, just getting, you know, whoever you can. Uh, The CBA is going to ruin, like, the mid – the middle – like middle range of income for um, basketball players. Right. So like there's going to be a lot of guys signing for super mm-hmm. cheap. Now it's going to be the high end guys. And then there's going to be low end guys because the CBA rules are really weird now with um, your two super max players, uh, which a lot of teams have. So the kind of idea is what they're hoping to do is you get two super max players and then you build with smaller role players with smaller contracts. So hopefully they can get some guys in with that contract, but those would be the main two moves. Um, and then we can talk about the coaching staff in a little bit, but what do you think the Celtics do?
2: Um, I, I think you got to unload smart one way or the other. One guy I thought maybe that they could garner some attention from was maybe swapping for Wendell Carter could be oh, I fucking something. Love Wendell Carter. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, he'd fit good with that team. He's very, very high energy, a lot of offensive rebounds. He's not the biggest, but it's not like the Celtics need a towering big. Anyways, it wouldn't even fit their offense. Yeah. And, like you said, a couple, one of the few guys I could see maybe they can make a run at is uh, A.U. Dasunmo from
1: yeah from Chicago. Chicago.
2: Yeah, he's due for a contract. Maybe he could fit in there. He's 23. He's a pretty good floor general. But like you said, I'm not really sure how they go about the floor general. I think Marcus Smart's got to go though, and the other part of that will be seeing what they can do with Grant Williams in terms of matching a contract offer or getting him for cheap. It's going to be really interesting to see what they can do with him, and. The third thing for me was they need to establish some kind of identity next year or some kind of culture. I'm not sure if that's going to come in lieu of new coaches or picking up a player like a PJ Tucker style player. They need to establish something.
1: I completely agree with you there. That was the most um, just disgusting part of the team was that we just lacked an identity and it was so disheartening and, that's really how we got beat most nights was we just didn't have this identity and we were ultimately we were soft. And usually Marcus was the one to lay a cheap shot or get in someone's face, but he doesn't really do that anymore. So we definitely need to get someone um, who, I don't know, has some sort of identity that can yell at guys. Uh, I like the P.J. Tucker name for sure. Um, so where do you stand in the Jalen Brown situation? Do you re- do you think we should resign him?
2: This is uh, this to me is one of the more puzzling contract situations we've had in a fucking long time. Recent memory of the NBA, this is a fucking weird one, because uh, no doubt if the Celtics sign in the summer, I think we both agree it's going to be the biggest contract ever up to this date, right?
1: Um, I mean, I,
2: I would think it's going to be fifty a year roundabout.
1: Yeah, so he's due for like two, two something. Um, it's not the biggest contract to date, but. The issue with it is that he's going to be due 2 something, and then Tatum will be due three something. So we'll have five. I mean, not the
2: largest contract, but who, like, he'll be what top three, right? What's forty nine point five or fifty million? That's top three to five range in terms of annual salary.
1: Yeah, something like that. He's he's uh definitely definitely really high. He would definitely be really high up there. Jokic has five years to seventy two. Um, so that's like fifty-four a year, and then Bradley Beal is, um, five years, two fifty-one, which is fifty a year, and then Giannis is five years, two twenty-eight, so that's forty-five a year. So he'd be making, he'd be making in between Bradley Beal and Giannis numbers, which would make him the second or third highest paid in the league. Like you, mentioned. right? So exaggerated then...
2: a little bit with one, but yeah, two to three coming off that. I mean, just horrendous game seven. It is so puzzling to me but to me i'm on the opposite end of all the celtics fans screaming for his head to me they hit the fucking lottery draft and tatum and brown they've had some very unfortunate games and a very tough time in the playoffs thus far but i mean look at to me just compare it to other teams who who've gotten draft picks like jalen brown jason tatum Half of them never pan out to even make a deep playoff run. Usually don't make – definitely not a conference finals three times early in their career and definitely not a finals run. I just think – and I also think he's irreplaceable. Like, who are you going to replace him with? You let him go and then what? Like, what is the next move from there? you pick up Damian Lillard, who's a fucking boatload of money and old as fuck? Like, I don't know. I don't understand the whole – I understand the knee-jerk reaction game seven screaming for his head, wanting him to be better. But screaming for him to be off the roster makes zero sense to me.
1: We agree. Um, I'm all I'm all in on Brown. I want him to stay. Mostly too, I really think if you send off Jaden, I think Tatum walks too. So keeping Jalen, I think, is priority number one. Um, for a couple of reasons. First off, if you trade him before he signs the contract, because he has till this off season, next off season, or next trade deadline, I guess, if he's unsigned. Um, would be kind of like when you can trade him. You uh, you you're, you would have to sign him or trade him to a team or do a sign and trade or whatever that he would be willing to go to. So he kind of holds all the cards in any trade. And then, I mean, I just I agree with you. Like you you draft you get what are you gonna do? Get draft picks for the opportunity to draft a guy just like Jalen. I mean, you already and got and hope him. he's Jalen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <You> just <laughs> hoping so... he's Jalen. So one with the possibility of Tatum walking, if you trade Jalen, you don't want to waste any Tatum years as well, because I do think Tatum has the ability to be an MVP in the future. I don't I don't think he's in its final form yet. And um, I do think you were about to see like a a historical game seven out of him before he twists his ankle. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, yeah, I completely agree
2: with what you just said about Tatum, too. I think he might have a LeBron-esque career where he takes a couple losses early on. It would not surprise me one bit if the Celtics won three finals in the next 10 years with those two guys. Like, it wouldn't surprise me one bit.
1: Yeah, so to me, that's worth the money. I know the Wizards are still kicking themselves, but they also gave out a lot of bad contracts to no-name players, um, not just Bradley Beal. So I'm against any of these trades. Uh, the one that I've like, the one that I kind of like, but I wouldn't do is Anthony Simons and a third, the third pick for Brown. But I still wouldn't do that trade. Um, I hate the Dame Lillard trade. That that to me is such a bad trade. In my opinion. that was
2: abysmal when I heard that.
1: Oh, he's he's I think he's older than our head coach Joe Missoula, <laughs> and he has he actually is like he's thirty four, so he's the same age as Joe, and he has terrible hips, um, and he's not going to age any better and then um yeah i am I'm, I'm with you there i think we keep t- keep brown um and build around Tatum and Brown and White as well cuz i do think White is very special to the team um so how do the celtics correct the joe Missoula offense of living and dying by the three to me the key to sur- the key to fixing just the coaching in general is surrounding joe with a solidified coaching staff um we lost three os- <laughs> assistant coaches like Two days ago to Houston, we also lost Will Hardy and Damon Stoudemire. Um, at the beginning of the season, Joe was kind of thrust into this position. To me, it starts by hiring and bolstering up one of like the most. Im- I I want them to get like a historically good assistant coaching um staff around him. Um, that could be names like, for instance, uh, Stephen Stylus, who. Um, obviously was the former head coach of the Rockets. He was seen um, in late March at the team shoot around in early, or maybe late May, I guess um, during the playoffs, he was seen around. So I think maybe he's going to be brought in maybe Kenny Atkinson, the former um, assistant for Steven Kerr, for yes, yeah, Steve Kerr, And then um, hell no, I, I mean, this probably won't happen, but if you could somehow get a way to get, Mike Budenholzer in as an assistant If he doesn't, end up Ooh. I don't know. I don't, that probably won't happen and talk about guys that don't make adjustments, but still, I think having bud in there. Um, the way that I look at it is Joe Missoula is a puppet coach. Um, and then you have your actual assistant coaches actually doing the coaching where Joe is more of a puppet and, you know, just kind of is being told what to do by the real coaches until he can learn what to do. Um, but that's how you fix that. What are your thoughts on the Joe Missoula coaching situation?
2: Yeah, I completely agree. They need some kind of experience in that coaching staff, Some, preferably some deep playoff experience. Like you said, if Budenholzer could somehow agree to be an assistant coach, that would be just a phenomenal pickup. Maybe if somehow like Monty Williams or someone agreed to be a assistant coach, I doubt it, but you never know, would be yeah. amazing. They definitely really, really lacked some kind of – they needed some kind of – I don't even know the word for it. Some kind of like congruity in those games. Like they needed mm-hmm. someone to bring it down, bring it back to level ground. Like you see Al Horford sometimes sit over there, but yeah, I I, think- I just I don't buy into what he's selling to those guys at I know. all.
1: Al Horford and Marcus Smart would take the clipboard out and sit on the bench and coach for Ye- Missoula.
2: Yeah, that's horrendous, and. The second part of it to me would be what we were talking about earlier. They need to establish some kind of identities like outside of Tatum and the threes, they have to have some kind of other answers on offense. Like with EMA, you could kind of see that the Celtics were, even if they were better on offense, you could see EMA was preaching the defense first and creating shots off that, which that could be a, a route they go in 2024 too, but there has to be something outside of living and dying by the three. We've really only seen one team ever be able to do that. And that's because they have the best three point shooter of all time. I don't think any other team could probably really sustain that.
1: Agreed with that. A hundred percent. How and why do you think Boston lost so handedly in game seven?
2: Um, So I'm going to address the obvious Jason Tatum ankle roll was definitely a huge one. But to me, it was way more than that because it was just glaring. It was so glaring how dependent they are on not just him scoring, but him facilitating their entire offense. I mean, he came into the playoffs with the fifth highest usage rate at 32.6%. I was like – crunching numbers, seeing who that compares to, he had a higher usage rate than Trey Young, 'er, De'Aaron Fox, and Shea, who are all point guards, which is insane to me because they're on a lot less talented teams. You'd figure their usage rate would be somewhere north of, like, fucking 50. You're talking about them three guys. So the fact that it all runs through Tatum was a huge problem for me with him rolling his ankle. And another really glaring thing to me was they just seemed to have – almost the attitude and the effort that they had in games one through three. Like there was one really standout play for me that was in game two. I don't know if you remember this play specifically. It was about a minute left. Butler comes down the court, shoots a mid-range, misses. Brogdon plays great defense. And there's about four Celtics under the basket. And Bam snags an offensive rebound, who's not a big guy at all. yeah. And then slams it. Like that, to me, was the encapsulation of all the games that the Celtics lost this series. It was just like, I don't even know if it was a lack of effort or more just mental lapses, but there was something not clicking in their losses at all. It was, and it was really hard to feel that energy. I'm sure it was for you as a fan to feel that. And the energy in the stadium seemed great, but from the players, it just something seemed off. I don't know if they weren't ready for that moment, if the lights were too bright. I'm not really sure what it was, but something just didn't seem right at all.
1: Yeah, that's, there's so many plays that you can bring up too from games one through three and game seven where, the team just was out of it um and the players frankly looked like they gave up um and i mean the quit that we saw in game 2 and game 3 out of them and game 7 was downright embarrassing and yeah i i do think the game 7 like i really think Tatum was about to have a special game um it just felt like that and obviously he twists his ankle on Vincent just like Vincent twisted his ankle um a couple games before that. So um, that obviously mitigates his impact. And you could tell like he was hobbling. He was really beat up from that. And we just had nowhere to go from there. It sort of reminded me of when the Bucks lost Giannis in the playoffs against the Heat. And then the team just fell apart in game one. Um, That's what it looked like with the Celtics. And I think that was the biggest reason, but you're right. I mean, they obviously relied on this one guy way too much and they need to figure out, what they can do to be better because you can't rely on one player like that for the playoffs because that you have to get really lucky in order to be successful. You have to make sure that that guy is durable and doesn't get injured. So, yeah, I mean, that is what it is. Uh, just tough way, especially so early in the game. Tough that he went out that way. Um, before we go, and let's say real
2: quick, too, do you think it was do you think Tatum rolling his ankle? Was the bigger disappointment as Jalen Brown's performance? Which one was worse or more indicative of the loss? Because I think Jalen Brown Brown's performance was just as big a reason they lost as Tatum getting hurt.
1: Oh, for sure. Jalen Brown
2: going nine for twenty three with eight turnovers was was just. I mean, he had a moment where they would have played his highlights in TD Garden for the next fucking thirty years. Like he had a golden platter in front of his face. He could have really cashed in. He just. I don't like is disappointing even. Is that even enough to say?
1: No, you're right. The the Brown performance was way more disheartening than the Tatum ankle, because I mean, Brown, like you said, could have been the hero. He could have saved the day and not to mention, like he's coming up on this massive contract. Right. So that would have kind of answered all of our contract questions. We would have been like, pay this man. No question about yes, it. Yes, because
2: even if they'd lost and he'd shown great effort and put up 35 and played great yes. defense, it's no question given that contract. But uh, I, yeah, that was extremely disappointing.
1: Yeah, I thought I agree. I thought that the injuries happened. I mean, that was just a freak sprained ankle. Gabe Vincent had the exact same thing happen to him on a, on, like he was jumping off, off of a three. So like it happens. Uh, frankly, I'm surprised it doesn't happen more. We've been really lucky with Tatum's uh, health that whole season Um, I agree I think it was way more disheartening to see what Brown did um, in his performance than what happened to Tatum Um, before we go is the Miami Heat is this performance the biggest or the best underdog story we've seen so far in the NBA
2: Uh, I think undoubtedly yes especially because the NBA is one of the few leagues that really doesn't have a lot of good underdog stories they're more centered around players and teams (laughs) It's just – this is unprecedented to me. The Mavericks winning in 2010-11 was was absolutely huge. Mm -hmm. But in the same breath, the eighth seed losing their play-in tournament, beating the one and two seed and the fifth seed in the process, I don't think there's much else that stacks up to this. I think if they win, this will undoubtedly be the best NBA underdog story of all time, maybe the best basketball underdog story of all time up there with NC State beating Houston in the 80s. I mean, there's only a few others that really match up.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I think first off, we've never seen a play in. I mean, the play in's only been around like two years, but we've never seen a play in team um go from the play into the finals and potentially win it. And then also we've just, I think they have like a negative net offensive rating or something like that. And they've, they've gone all the way to the finals, which you've never seen. There's just a lot of, and then not to mention this team, we've talked about it a lot, but this team's built up a, a bunch of, undrafted or second round picks or guys that just you know were nearly out of the league like Caleb Martin so um for them to make it this far and potentially win the finals I I have to agree with you this is the best underdog story the NBA has had to offer at least in modern times
2: yes I think if they win too it'll be up there probably top three underdog story of sports period it's yes. really hard to overlook and I wanted to say one more thing about this series real quick before you get off. One thing I have loved about these Celtics Heat Series, they've been very intense and very defensive-minded in a lot of games, but those guys show a lot of respect for each other, and I really have enjoyed watching them play in the playoffs, and I hope they play again next year, to be honest.
1: Me me too. I've come to respect this Heat team a lot more than any other team, and I certainly respect you guys more than Draymond, who who posted that stupid – I don't know if you saw that video that he posted. Oh, I listened to it this morning. Yeah. (laughs) See, we got a lot of shit on TikTok for getting mad about that, but – I don't think Heat fans were the ones that were getting mad at us. It was the Warriors fans, and the Heat fans have been respectful, and um, they the Heat players didn't post any bullshit like Draymond did. So I respect you know you the other guys. thing
2: I thought was weird is how he. One thing I didn't like is how he wouldn't say what he was thinking. He just said, "Don't be the way you are." Like, yeah. In in what sense? Like I don't I don't even like I don't like that. I don't like that he was leaving stuff out at all.
1: Um. Yeah. I. The TikTok commenters on our TikTok uh, um, ch- believe that that was <laughs> racist. They said I think that,
2: you're, I think you're holding something back. You want to say?
1: Well, no, I think, I think. Well, they were saying that he was alluding to uh, the racism, the issue. Boston racism. Yeah, which I've never played. I can't um, speak on, but I, as a fan, um, I think it's unfair to call an entire fan base or an entire city one thing um, <laughs> completely like it's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not a player. I haven't experienced what, what Draymond's experienced, So I can't really speak on that, but um, the commenters on TikTok were saying that he was alluding to racism and they were calling us racist for hating on Draymond for that video, which, you know, Draymond's
2: also like Stephen A. Smith, dude.
1: Like yeah. he's
2: entertaining, but he says outlandish shit. So who even knows if he meant that?
1: Yeah, but yeah, I don't know where we got, but I was it It made it hard to love basketball yesterday just because of all the bullshit we got on TikTok. Um, And I just wanted, you to know, that the Heat fans and the Heat themselves are a very respectable team. And um, yeah, I, I respect you guys a lot more than I respect the Warriors. I'll tell you that much. And Warriors. Fans.
2: Yeah, me Talk too. And I time. completely respect the Celtics. And I really like the respect the players showing each other. They're helping each other up. They're kind of yeah. dapping up after the game. Wasn't didn't seem like there was any bla- bad blood, which there shouldn't have been.
1: Nope. All right. Thank you for coming on, Mike. Um, you can listen to Mikey and I, as well as our other cousin, Jeff, um, on the Uppercut podcast where we talk about UFC. Um, we'll have another episode of Uppercut coming up on Friday morning, where we preview the UFC fight night, Kai Car Franz versus Amir Albazi card. So stay tuned for that. Mikey, I'm sure I'll have you on before the finals are over to talk about your Miami heat more. So thank you for coming on uh, and good luck to the heat.
0: Yeah, I'll give you a game update. We'll, shorty, we'll see. <laughs> Coming and say you look fine. We got to cut it off. Nobody kidding. Fuck on my line. I'ma keep it above with y'all. But oh, Shoddy, I'm trying to make you mine. Don't make it too easy. I wanna try. She looking too good. can let it go by. Oh, yeah. Think up one the lotto. This low mulatto. She could be a model. She wanna show me some. Think up wonder. the lotto. Yeah, this low mulatto. She yeah. could be a model.